This is KJEM, KJEM Radio, and we are on the air. I'm Craig Phillips. And I'm Amy Rose. We are your hosts, and we want to welcome you to our sixth episode of the Truly Outrageous World of Gem right here on KJEM Radio. This week, we're talking about the fourth episode uh, called Frame Up from the Gem miniseries. Don't forget that you can always participate in our show if you would like by calling in at one seven two four 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 seven four 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 with the call in ID is nine three eight six zero. So what we're going to do uh, with Frame Up is we're going to go a little bit back and uh, back a little bit. Um, we had a very special guest last week. Um, That's right. Desiree oh, that, was so that was amazing that was awesome. too, and and. Yeah, it really was, and I have to say that was just absolutely brilliant that she stopped by and, and talked to us, so we want to thank and her once again. Overtime, thank you so much, Desiree. A big thank you from both of us. So that's why we're actually on the fourth episode, although technically it's our sixth episode. Um, we're talk, you know, we skipped over last week's episode for Desiree's interview. So basically, going back a little bit to Kimber's Rebellion, um, what we basically find is that Jem and the Holograms all take a trip out to Paris to film their uh, video uh, with uh, the Countess de Vaussan, and they also uh, film with Anthony Julian. The misfits, of course, create havoc by going out there, yada, yada, yada. Then they come back to the States and get a phone call from Lindsay Pierce asking if they want to be on her show. I take that back. They only ask, she only asked Jem if she, want, if she can be on the show. Of course, then that's when Kimber throws her fit, storms out, whatever. They call her back. Things like that happen. And, you know, so that's kind of the Kimber's Rebellion kind of thing. So for, the, uh, for Frame Up, you have Lindsay do an interview with the girls, and of course, misfits decide they have to crash the party. And they have Ashley, who is a, not really a misfit, but she's kind of adopted as a misfit, I guess you could say. And she is essentially, you know, trying to distract the security guard that's blocking the door. They all go in. They have this, they, you know, they basically interrupt the entire show. And, um,. As Pizzazz was and the, and the um, misfits are being kicked out, she backhands um, Lindsay across the face, which I still can't believe that was gotten away with. And then, to make matters worse, she then elbows Rio right into the stomach, and then he goes flying backwards into a bunch of equipment, which essentially, you know, as the term goes, literally they brought down the house. So that's kind of where it picks up at is this whole big explosion of, of equipment falling all over around Gem. The first of this episode picks up with uh, Jim being in great danger. There's power, electricity going everywhere, wires, equipment falling, giant speakers. Uh, Rio, of course, swoops in to save the day. He saves her at the last second. They ask, you know, if everybody's okay. They see that nobody's badly hurt, but Jim is really shaken up by this, and they send her to Lindsay's dressing room to go breast. And so the holograms end up finishing out the interview. Aja wants to make it short so they can check on Jim. So, again, Rio is the hero in this. And, uh, again, he ends up kissing Jim. <laughs> and, uh, I find that, that very was, disturbing, too. <laughs> yeah. And that was in the dressing room, and then they get interrupted. The holograms come in when they're kissing, and Rio is so embarrassed he is caught red-handed and he like makes some excuse to get out of there as quick as possible and i think wasn't Aja that opens up the door 
Yeah. Wasn't Aja the one opening up the door and she's like, oops, sorry. Yeah, and then Jen's explanation of, oh, Rio's very proud. And I'm like, I'm going, um, that's no excuse, but okay. Yeah, you're kind of sort of, you're kind of sort of cheating. I mean, regardless if you're the same person, it's still, it's borderline cheating, you know, at least in my book it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't know they're the same person. He shouldn't be embarrassed. That's really true. And that's more proof, that scene to me, is more proof that, you know, Jerrica, Jim, should have told him right from the start, you know, that she was Jim. Because when Jim was created, she had that opportunity, that that opportunity of just a little time where it would have been really appropriate to tell him. Of course, we all know why she didn't. You know, the show has to have this triangle, love triangle going on. But, yeah, again, she missed that opportunity, and she's going to keep feeling more and more bad about him not knowing. So, Yeah, it's it's so weird, too, because she always she's always been the epitome of not deceiving and not lying to people, and yet the one guy that she's loved more, you know, as the years have gone on, you know, because she grew up with him, and, you know, she fell in love with him back in, like, junior high or high school. And here she is, the guy that she loves, and she's totally <laughs> deceiving him. You know, which we'll talk about later because Jason makes a video for that. Yeah, we'll we'll get on to that later. But in the next little mini scene, it it just shows a real quick clip of uh, Mrs. Bailey noticing, you know, Ashley's uh, behavior lately. So Jerrica goes to talk to her and doesn't get anywhere because she just gets interrupted. And then Ashley runs off again straight to the Misfits. But uh, then it goes back. The next part is about... We introduce uh, Mr. Hayes, the promoter uh, for Vegas, wanting the Misfits and the Holograms to be in the same show together. And he knows all too well that they don't get along, and that's why he wants them all to perform together, because I love to see sparks fly, is what he said. He's so proud of that. They make him into Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really thought that was funny because it's like, you know, he knows that these are the two of the biggest bands in the world, pitting the Misfits and Gem and the Holograms. But I think the one thing that I don't think the Misfits quite caught on to, especially when they signed the contract with him, is they're the opening act and Gem and the Holograms are the headliners. Now, if you guys know how state or how concerts are run, the headlining act gets like an hour and a half to two hours of a show, whereas right. the opening band gets 30 minutes to 45 minutes. I mean, that's like kind of like the ultimate slap in the face to two of these super groups. Because essentially, you know, the Misfits are were around a little bit longer than Gem and the Holograms, as we know from the very first episode. And, you know, they were already playing concerts, and they already had... Yeah, I wonder the, if they even read the contract. I wonder if they knew when they signed that they were going to open for the Holograms, because it doesn't sound like they'd be too thrilled for, about that. Well, we would know that Roxy wouldn't read it because she don't know how to read. Well, of course not. And Pizazz probably is like, oh, whatever, we're the big stars, you know. Then they do everything. Yeah, and she's looking at a free too. concert anyway, so. Or uh, I should say a concert to make money, not a free concert. This is actually uh, an actual you know, money maker. She wants to make money, but she also wants more than anything to be famous. So it's just hard to believe that she would settle for an opening act. But, you know, of course they don't. They do everything they can to become the main act. Uh, anyway, oh, that's very on, true. on to the next part. Uh, oh, what I thought was funny though about that scene is uh, when they do find out that Jim and the Holograms are performing at the same time, Roxy is ready to kill that guy, Mr. Hayes. She just like goes after him. 
that that's what I love about that's what I love about Roxy. I mean, she is she is a no nonsense girl. I mean, it's funny that for as many times as the misfits have been, you know, messed over by Eric, <laughs> it's very rare that the girls will ever go after him, especially Roxy. I mean, you know that she's got a temper and she's, you know, probably got a little bit of Italian running through them veins. I you know, know you know, and just you would think that she's just gonna go storming off after them or after after that guy. So, you know, go yeah. figure that she never did in, in later episodes. But um and, and then you know. Pizazz, um I think it's funny that she you know, she's like, Shut up, I've got the brains here. It's like okay. Do you really? Yeah, I love that part. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I... I, I half-baked scheme. <laughs> well, isn't that just typical of the Misfits? They'll just come up with any kind of half-baked scheme. I mean, they don't oh, even yeah. think anything through. They're just impulsive. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised sometimes Roxy being as tough as she is that she lets Pizazz talk to her that way. It's like nobody else can get away with it but Pizazz. Anyway. I think she's actually scared of Pizazz a little bit like Stormer is. You know, I no, I don't sense that. I don't sense that from Roxy. I don't think she's scared of her. You know, yeah. everybody's got their own view on it. I know Stormer is scared of Pizzazz and Roxy. With uh, yeah, Liberty. which we find out later. Yeah. That's true. Uh, you know, with going going to Ashley, um, one of the things that I noticed with Ashley is that she's she's starting to kind of wise up that maybe this isn't such a good idea to hang out with the misfits, and you kind of see yeah, that later on. Bit. Just starting to see it at that point, and they ask her to. See, at this point, they ask her to go with them to Vegas, and she's all excited. You know, she thinks she's being included. She thinks they really like her and they want her around, which is not the case. So I feel kind of bad for her. And yeah, then, I do too. I think she is really manipulated a little too much in that. And yeah. you know, she's you know she's you know she's 13 years old. You know, which she makes herself very known on that one. You know, the one thing I I've, I've figured with with this one is that. You start to see that you know what she doesn't really want to do these things, you know. But she has. Um, she kind of just—it's like she wants to be included, so she just kind of falls in with them. It's the impression that I got. Anyway, um, we switch over to suddenly they're arriving in Vegas, and of course, Jem is still upset about Rio. She doesn't know what to do. She hates deceiving him, but she just doesn't know. Should she tell him? Did she not tell him what's his reaction going to be? And uh, then we have the song Deception, which is quite fitting in that spot. I, I really like the video for Deception. I, I, I like the, the imagery in it, especially the part where um, you see Jerrica and Jim literally pulling Rio apart, just tug of war. I think that's very, very appropriate, very symbolic, you know? Yeah, it really is. Parts of that video. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100 percent with that. I think that, you know, with very early on with those videos, in fact, that Rio was in a lot of them. I mean, he was oh, yeah. part of those videos, you know. And I always found that really interesting. That um, when you see him in the videos, you do see, you almost always see some kind of tug of war that uh, she's going, you know, that she's going through with him, and they kind of physically you know, show it in the videos, which I like what, yeah, really, what I said is really good. It really symbolizes her inner tug of war with her two sides to herself. And so I thought that absolutely. was really Yeah, absolutely. Now, hey, we're going to go to the phone lines real quick here and uh, take our first caller for the night. Go ahead, Princess Hikaru. So um, I was have a, having trouble getting in. My phone was being stupid. But, like, 
going back to Roxy and like how she's afraid of pizzazz. I don't think she's afraid of pizzazz. She's just smart. I mean, she's got that mansion and all that food that she can just crash at. And I, I would not mess with pizzazz if I had all that. Oh, you know what? I like that. That is really good because Roxy and Stormer are all about the money and pizzazz is more about the look at me, the fame, you know? Good point. Yeah, Roxy's more about the food than anything else. <laughs> I know. That's right. But, um, no, I agree, and I think you make a really valid point there that, you know, Roxy, you know, maybe I am wrong, maybe Roxy is not, but, you know, with her temperament the way she is, you would think she would not put up with Pizzazz's mouth the way she does. Oh, I mean, I she takes, I mean, how she pushes, like, Pizzazz literally, like, just pushes Roxy away after she puts down the sign. She's like, you know, shut up, I've got the brains here. It's like, I don't get how Roxy did not just freak out at her. And Now, maybe, obviously... You know, you got to move the show along, whatever. But I, I just don't think in reality you would ever push Roxy around. Just not in my opinion. You know, yeah, I mean, we all have our different views on it. But, yeah, um, Hikaru has a point about, you know, Roxy doesn't want to lose the, the food and the mansion. I mean, I think, and a lot of times I think they stay at Pizzazz's mansion. I mean, I know, like, Stormer has her own house and stuff. But I really think that they hang out there most of the time with Pizzazz at the big mansion so they can eat all the food and party and do whatever they want. So they like that good life, that rock star life. So Roxy wouldn't want to jeopardize that. No, that's that's uh, very true here. Um, you know, and then, of course, uh, one of the things that I always thought was really interesting is just how dumb Aja gets in this episode. How does she get duped into chasing well, after? Know, what would you do if you saw one of the kids that you're supposed to take care of in a place where they're not supposed to be? Your instinct would be to go see what they're doing there and run after them. That's exactly what she does. Okay, I'll grant you that. Um, I guess my, my only thing is, you know, how would she... <sighs> I, I guess, it, you know, the way I see Aja is that she's got a lot more smarts. I mean, she's a really, really smart woman. Yeah, Aja is very smart. And I, I, I guess I, following Ashley through the bus and then, you know, especially around in the cargo bay where she gets locked in it, you know, it just it just floors me that, you know, it's it's one of those, like, old-school comedies, like, you know, that you would see, like, with the Three Stooges or um, yeah. with um, Laurel and Hardy or something like that. You just, you don't expect somebody as brainy as Aja to be completely like, um, you know, uh, what's that? What is that old boxing term? Um, the rope a dope type of thing. You know, you fake him with one, but then you slam him with another type of thing. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it really was a fake out. It's it just, it's just such an interesting thing that she fell for. But you know, then but again, it all happened so quick. Maybe it's a momentary lapse in judgment, but it does not mean that Aja is stupid by any means. You know, it's oh no, so no, no. No, exactly. So we find that she gets locked in the baggage uh, compartment. And, um, you know, obviously now that um, we go into act, um, second act in the show. And uh, before we go on, I want to let everybody know that you can call into our show and uh, voice your opinion about this and uh, give us your insight as to what you may see in the show. And our number is one seven two four 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 seven four four four. Our show call ID number is 93860. And then press pound after that. So we get into um, uh, the second act, and um, there's a lot of thumping going on from Aja pounding on the um, luggage compartment door that she's trapped inside of this big, you know, 
almost like a greyhound bus type of thing. And she's pounding and pounding, and there's a passenger in it who, by the way, is voiced by Cindy McGee. I did, I I did uh, listen too. very, very carefully. That's Shana. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's our Shana, exactly. And um, she goes up to the um, to the bus driver, who, by the way, I thought was very rude to her. You know, what do you want? What's his attitude? <laughs> you know, it's like, get your butt on the yellow line. You know, it's like, <laughs> and like, you know, all I want to say is there's like, this loud thump, I got a flat tire or whatever. And he's like, oh, I don't hear it. But he, he does actually pull over and checks. He's like, oh, the tires are okay here. And he hears that pounding again, and all of a sudden he opens up the door, and, and Asha just leaps out of nowhere and starts running, and he just freaks out at her like, hey! It's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to get her for uh, for hitching a ride in your luggage yeah. compartment? I mean, you know, it's not like she was a stowaway. But, he didn't um, know what was going on. He was clueless. No, and I love, I love when she um, tries to get back to the, um, <laughs> to the event because she runs into these two guys who are completely... I swear, I've never, I've never seen more stupid people before in my life. They're like, "Yeah, um, I need to get back to this. Where's, where? How do you get back to this, uh, to the, um, this venue or whatever?" And like, "Oh, you go up here and you go to the left or whatever." No, no, you go to the right. I'll be outraged. You know, it's just these more guys just have this huge battle. Left. Yeah, back and forth, back and forth. They are yeah, I absolutely f- getting in each other's they really face did. about it. Yeah, they really did. And the funny thing is, and you have this, this. I never figured this one out, but you literally had a cowboy guy. Coming in on a on a you know a, a chopper basically. Now obviously this is probably symbolic of the you know the the cowboy rescuing you know from the you know early days when you know horses were you know this very noble oh, you know riding off into the sunset type uh, of thing. I look at that and I think, well, I guess you'll see anything in Vegas. Anything's normal there. Well, that's true. You know, you could also say that about Mardi Gras, which we'll eventually talk about later on in the future. Um, so she finally hitches a ride with him. I like. It's funny how she actually gets on the bike. I mean, she doesn't do it very ladylike. She's like her whole body, like just completely, <laughs> her body contorts. And of course, and, she's wearing a short skirt. And she just, yeah, like, really. Up there. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. And and then of course you see him drive off, and then they get stuck in a traffic jam. And she's like, okay, now I got to hoof it. And she's wearing heels too. She's wearing, you know, high heels, and so usual, she has to yeah, run in them. They're always in heels. Running in heels is not easy. I would not suggest that anybody try that at home. Yeah, uh, KTM Radio does not condone the running in high heel <laughs> shoes. <That's right. laughs> we really don't. Um, so anyway, uh, we uh, flip channels a little, or flip scenes a little quick here, and we find that um, Rio is panicking, looking all over the place for Aja, and um, he ends up running into the Misfits um, uh, dressing room, and. Um, you know, they're like, well, you ain't going in there. And Pizzazz, you know, shuts up Roxy again. Again, Roxy gets pushed out of the way. And she's like, okay, go ahead, go on. And this is the first time you get a glimpse at Pizzazz hitting on uh, Rio, you know, which does happen kind of throughout the series. Like, she's, you know, why are you with Jem? You know, you can have me. And I, I think, what was Rio's line? He says, you're not even fit to be in the same room with Jem or something like that. You're not even fit to breathe the same air as Jem, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I like how he told her off like that. That was, that was absolutely brilliant. And then I love her little, you know, I, I always love how uh, Patricia, who voiced uh, Pizzazz, yeah. just let out that nice scream at the end. She's like, know. you know, nobody ever does that. I love it. Nobody so, of course, does that scream like her. I love her scream. Uh, she is just an amazing screamer, and well, they all are. Jeez, you know how many times did those misfits scream when they got into a trouble or whatever? So of course, you know he doesn't see her in there, and you know they're going back out like we don't know where any, we don't even know any, any idea where she is, you know. And then the promoter's like, okay, forget this. 
misfits take the stage you know you're you're up and they're they're happy they're cheering they're all excited and all of a sudden here comes aja running up saying i'm here we can go on and i and i thought it's just hilarious that the misfits literally throw a fit and they're like you guys still get to open the show you guys are still going to go on stage anyway. You're just not going to be the headliners. And I thought that was just really oh, funny. Oh, that's not good enough. And what I, I love is they're like, um, you know, you can still warm up the show. And Pizazz is like, oh, I wouldn't warm up leftovers for those no talents. And then Roxy right behind her. And you, don't come talking to us about penalty clauses, Joker. Like, don't you dare try to get us for not performing. <laughs> yeah, really. You ain't going to get them on breach of contract, I'll tell you that. And Roxy would make yeah, dog on sure. Again, again, there's that Roxy attitude, and she doesn't put that on for pizzazz, but she'll sure as heck stand up to uh, to a, uh, an outsider, you know. Um, we're going to go back to the lines here and uh, talk again to uh, Princess Hikaru. I wonder if Roxy, it seems like Roxy is, is like that, you know, that tough girl with guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I've seen it in the show more with girls, but... Like she's she's pretty brutal to the opposite sex. I think it'd be just how she was treated. I mean, you know, she rolled with um, you know the red aces back in the day, and you know they pr- I don't know how they treated her, but it seemed like she was kind of like the boss of that gang, you yeah. know, and like nobody messed with her, you know. So she probably had a really bad experience, you know. And when we start talking about the character developments, Roxy's going to be one of them, and I I have a lot to say about that. I you know one of the things I always felt is that she was abused. I mean, she probably had the crap kicked out of her. As a kid, so I mean, you know, that probably is one reason why she's so, you know, angry towards men, you know, and not so much towards women. But you know, again, oh, that's just tough to anybody. She just tends to jump in quicker if it's some man that's on the outside, you know, quicker than she would. Although she's really quick to jump on Zeta too, which is hilarious, you know, later in the episode. Yeah, I love, I love that. I'm gonna clean your clock. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and try. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so of course we get um, we get through with um, you know the misfits um, throwing their fit or whatever, and of course we come into the video called "Too Close for Comfort," um, which is um, you know an interesting little little song. It's not one of my f- personal favorite songs. It's just you know no, it's, it's just kind of one of those um, videos either. Although I don't know what else I really could have done with it. I mean, you know, I like the. The images and stuff, it's just, yeah, not one of my favorites, but it's okay. Yeah, and one of the things I, I I like about this whole segment coming up now is is how behind the scenes that everything is going on, you have Eric planning this whole thing to get back at Jem, and what he's going to do is he's going to create a quote-unquote commotion. And, um, of course, what he's basically going to do is he's going sab- to set up Jem and the holograms, or specifically Jem, to take the fall for uh, a theft. So that way she gets arrested and the misfits can take the stage and, and get all the money and whatever and, and be the, the victors in this whole thing. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, kind of floors me about this too is that this is when you start noticing Stormer as a very fearful girl of, of pizzazz. You know, pizzazz is one of these types of people who just has a very short fuse. And if you say the wrong thing to her, if you look at her wrong, she will burn a hole through your body with her eyes, or scream at you, or whatever. And you can see that she's literally put the you know the fear of God in, okay. in Stormer. She says that she's she tells Ashley that she was you know kind of afraid of Pizazz and Roxy, and you know rightfully so. 
But, oh, when she says that, though, this is just a side note, but you know how they're behind the big cardboard cutout of Gem and Holograms? Yes. That life-size thing. I want one of those. That would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. I have a life-size one of, of Reba, so I was like, hmm, I, need, I was watching that going, I want a gem one. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was cool. Yeah, it really was. All those really cool posters. That you know, that'd be really great if that would have been released as some of the items you could have bought, like you know, so a big cutout of gem. Mm-hmm, yeah. See, and then Hasbro would not have had to put all their eggs in one basket and put everything on the dolls, as opposed to putting them into the show. You know, put them into the items that are in the show. You know, the posters, all that stuff, man. That could have been a marketing brilliance. You know, Barbie never had that. They could have easily cashed it on that, but you know, that's that's just businesses that. You know, executives that don't always think, but, you know. So, of course, this commotion is overheard by Ashley and and Stormer behind this cardboard cutout, as, as Amy alluded to. They are both freaked out about this whole thing. They don't want anybody, you know, getting hurt. Because right now, Zipper and his goons are essentially going to plant the evidence, and they're right there witnessing it, or I should say hearing it. They're not seeing it, but they're hearing it. And, of course, they run off, and then eventually end up calling the police because the money is stolen. There's like thousands of dollars being stolen. It's like the entire show, you know, from the ticket the ticket booth was completely taken or whatever. And they're like, you know, where'd this money go? Oh, and the funny thing is, funny thing is, you notice how it was a dead giveaway from Pizzazz when she said, oh, check her bag. I know. You know check right Jones. away, it's like point her out across the room. It's like, oh, oh, check her room. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, wow, that's obvious. Like, no, you didn't have anything to do with that, sure. Yeah, and that's the one of the things that I always found was really interesting is that, you know, P- Pizzazz, for how much she really wants to uh, sabotage, she opens up her mouth far too much to blame them and, you know, makes her look guilty. And, you know, so that, of course... Well, you I think know, they, do, they do search Pizzazz's room, too, and she's like, fine, sure, whatever, go ahead. Because she knows that they won't find anything in her room. But, yeah, she's awfully quick to point the finger at Jim. Yeah, and I think you make a valid point that they did check their room. I, I did forget about that. Um, one of the things, too, is that they did find the money, and you notice the bag they found in was a big gem bag, which I thought was, uh, yeah. where was that item in the toy stores? Why didn't that get sold? What a cool oh, concept, a nice gig bag, you know? I and um, <laughs> Most, I think, everybody would have, too. And then, of course, we come up to the final part of the act, which is you see a close-up of Jem's hands behind her back, handcuffed. Yeah, something we thought we'd never see. Like, what's going on? Jem's getting arrested. She didn't even do anything. So finally, folks, we got to the final act. Yeah, of course, right. we start off with Ashley. Bad for, well, it looks bad for Jem because, you know, we left off with her in handcuffs, right? And we're like going, oh, no, what next? And Ashley steps up, and she runs up and says, you know, she didn't do it. She didn't do it. She didn't. And like they're going to believe a little kid because, of course, the misfits are like, uh-uh, she lives with them. She'll say anything. And, uh, well, she tells them what she heard. And, um, you know, like they said, they, they kind of need more proof than just this kid that lives with them in the holograms. So up walks a mystery lady out of nowhere. How convenient. And uh, she backs her up. And I've got to say, even when I was little and watching this, the second that lady walked up, I knew who that was. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> obvious. Like, yeah, hey, I think I think most people figure that out. And, but but yet the holograms and misfits didn't seem to know who it was. 
Yeah, not even by the, uh, the the crackly voice either, which I think is hilarious because, I mean, <laughs> you know, there was almost no removal of of Stormer's voice, so that might mean that Stormer really didn't know how to act. So, well, I, know, I forgot, we yeah. We know that, that Sue Blue can do all these kinds of voices, and we know that she could have changed up the voice if she wanted to, but she kind of left it as Stormer's normal voice. So, Well, I think Maybe part of that might have been for the act. audience, too. Well, yeah. Maybe they wanted to give it away at who it was. Let's uh, let's so, go back to the phone line real quick and uh, uh, right. get uh, Princess Hikaru's. Uh, excuse Hikaru. me, Hikaru. Hikaru. Yeah, Hikaru. So I'm still getting your name right. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. What is, what is your take on on this uh, third act? Well, I knew it was Stormer. I mean, you know, the voice gave it away. Um, I'm sorry, mystery lady. That that whole scene just cracks me up. So. <laughs> I mean, I know why she dressed up like that, because she can't betray Pizzazz openly. Right. But, yeah, it was it was pretty obvious. I agree with that. Now, okay, thanks to Stormer, as we've all discussed. Jen is set free. Hallelujah. Okay, so then Eric, uh, in this next scene, has this brilliant idea. I mean, after they've performed and everything, we go on to uh, the scene with Eric talking to the Misfits and, his idea is, oh, maybe Jim is just a stage name. Maybe that's not her real name. You think, you know? But like yours, like, Phyllis. Yeah, Phyllis. And oh, like, what a slap in the oh, face, man! Don't like you never call me that. <laughs> I love that. That so that is mad. hilarious. Yeah, I mean, well, let's think about that. I mean, that's that's an old school name, name, you know. That's the first time we hear it in the show. The first time we figure out that you know, oh, well, we knew it was a stage name, but that's. Her real name is Phyllis. Yep. And, you know, we kind of figure out that Roxy's Roxanne and things like that. And we don't yeah. really find out Storm's real name either until much later in the series, which I thought right. was kind of a shame. Yeah, and you never would guess, really, Stormer's name just, you know, by, you know, because it's not close to anything close to Stormer, like, you know, Roxy, Roxanne, you know. But anyway, uh, Eric, his idea now is to hire a private detective, Malone, some creepy guy, to follow Jim around. <laughs> and try to figure out who she really is. Now, I got to yep. admit, that was kind of a good idea. I mean, it's like, well, it's about time, you know, do something smart. But So their next, the Hologram's next appearance is at a fashion show for Danielle Dubosson and her clothing line. So uh, they're modeling her fashions up there on the stage, and they sing the song Truly Outrageous. I, I love that song, and I honestly, you know, with that being a catchphrase that Kimber says all the time, you know, Jen is truly outrageous, and it was on all the merchandise. Yep. I really thought that that song would be used more in the show. But that's the it one was. Actually, it was that we hear it. Right, but in the show, yes, but it was more designed for the doll line and all the toys yeah. that went along with Jem. And if you listen... If you go up on YouTube, you can find most of these clips um, still available, and you'll hear, you know, she's truly, truly outrageous, you know, and sometimes you hear the Misfits theme, you know, the one, you know, we are the Misfits where our songs are better, and, but the one that was specifically designed, and this is the one where everybody's, you know, Anne is even upset about this, that they used it, was 
the you know the gem girl song which was meant for yeah. the toy line as was truly outrageous the we are the misfits is supposed to be for the series as the opening theme all the way right. through including the closing credits not the other ones so yeah, Again, and I've noticed on the DVDs, even early episodes that are definitely not supposed to have the Gem Girl theme have it. Like, I remember when I was a kid, the Gem Girl theme came in, I think, around season two. Or, you know, I know it wasn't really separated into major seasons, but you know what I mean. It, it Later, after, like, Rhea and Jetta are introduced, then, I think, is when it started being played, or maybe even in the reruns. But originally, the first episodes all had the truly outrageous Gem song. You know the theme song. So the, um, the 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 theme song. Well, excuse me. The theme song for the the commercials. Are you talking? I'm I'm talking about the coming on of the TV show. You know the yeah when yeah they right right. The Misfits sing and they're supposed to. Yeah. You know the Misfits are supposed to be included. That song yes. was supposed to be used for the theme, and then in these DVDs, I've noticed the a lot of the even early early episodes have the Gem Girl theme, which is not right. Yeah, that was. I think that was part of another reason why Rhino got into a lot of trouble, um, was because they were using things that weren't supposed to be used in in the opening credits. And I think if you have uh, the original VHSs of some of the episodes, do you not? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, so I you would. So you can go all the way back. You can go all the way back to those videos. And, and, that's why, and yeah, that's why I'm saying that when they were originally run and originally put out, all these earlier episodes especially use the original theme song, like their. Yeah, the We Are the Misfits. Yeah, and and that's uh, and I hope when they if they if Shout Factory, which we we try to promote that all the time. If you want the DVDs made, go to Shout Factory's website. We have a link to it on our KGM Radio fan site. Um, go there and post that you want the video or the DVDs remade, because that's one of the things that needs to be corrected. Is go back to the original masters and pull the the way it's supposed to be. Don't cut anything. Don't delete scenes. Don't do nothing. Just bring out the original music that was there for the theme song for the opening and closing and you know leave it alone it was it was great while it was there don't change anything just my opinion they they just change too many things and and even little changes can get on the fans nerves i mean you know bothers me because as with hair color and the changing of the theme that's just little things that bug me but I'm still happy for the DVDs. I mean, i got to say, at least they got released, but I wish that the rest of the episodes would come out, too. Now, back to That's the very show. true. Back yes, back to, to the show. Back to where we were. It's, uh, the After our little commercial interruption there. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our ads were bring out them DVDs. Um, the Misfits are there, you know, to uh, cause trouble, of course, and they just can't stand it that uh, holograms are getting so much attention at the fashion show, so... You know, they get the bright idea to set off the sprinklers and ruin the whole thing, which they did it at the end of the show, so I'm not sure what that really accomplished. You know, they waited till it was just about over, and then they set off the sprinklers. But I don't know if this is a, an animator thing or what, but it's the only time you ever see it, but it's Roxy's little heart tattoo on her arm. And you look really carefully, she actually has a heart tattoo, which I thought was hysterical because you never see that again. Yeah, you never see so, it, so therefore it is a fake stick-on because it never comes back. It was either an inside <laughs> joke by an animator or just for that outfit or something. So yeah, really, that that was hysterical. Um, you know, like you said, the whole thing about them went to the last minute, you know, and I didn't even realize that that, that actually is true. They actually waited until, like, the very end. So it's either they got there late or just honestly could not think of a plan to actually, you know, 
get their attention until they went up to the balcony area of the of yeah. the uh, of the room, and I, I think that's just hilarious. Like, oh hey, we're just gonna make every, you know the show's already over, so we're just gonna force everybody out. <laughs> we're just gonna you know? make everybody mad by getting them all wet. Yeah, okay. That one part where they're where the, all the girls are in the car and they're still sopping wet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, wouldn't Going you think? Home. Wouldn't you think you would dry off, blow dry your hair, look, make yourself look fabulous, and then go well, out yeah, into the world? Yeah, if I was a rock star, I would at least you know dry off or change clothes. I would think. <laughs> exactly. Now, this final scene that you're going to talk about here, Amy, is probably one of my favorites, just okay. because it's 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 like you know what? It's one of those things that you know how close you know people came to learning about Synergy. I know. Uh, this is the closest we're ever going to get that the real people are going to know about her. That's so, right. um The um, Malone guy is still following Gem and the Holograms, and he follows them back to the Starlight Drive-In, which is still where they are keeping Synergy at this point. And he, you know, they go in, that, that's when they change and then go back out, the Holograms. And when they leave, this Malone guy breaks in, you know, all he's got to do is walk through the wall anyway and discovers synergy. And, you know, that's a big problem. I mean, if only they had used this. I always thought, you know, there's an episode, um, I think it's the presidential dilemma or something, where they kind of allude back to this and they have um, pictures of synergy um, that this guy took. But cause he did take a snapshot or two and show Eric. But, they allude back to it, but I always wish that there was another episode to where Eric actually did something about it, you know? But yeah, that that's, that's really true. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, you know, you kind of wonder if it just got lost as the series went on, like nobody ever thought, you know, well, what would have Eric least, really done? Yeah, they at least mentioned it again, but then it just it reminds you. It's like, oh, yeah, he's got this evidence. He's so close to finding out, and yet he does nothing with it. But yeah, anyway, when, when Malone breaks in, I always thought it was funny. Synergy's just like, intruder, 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 over and over. It's like, shut up. No wonder she yeah. <laughs> Poor to Marlene. destroy her. <laughs> yeah. Poor Marlene. She so, just had to keep repeating that. <laughs> he just grabs stuff and starts to smash her because, oh, heaven forbid he figure out how to turn the thing off or unplug it. No, just smash it. This big, humongous computer that's worth probably a million dollars. Back then, he just uh, yeah, no doubt, and I and I thought that was hilarious. I mean, so either he must have had one of those you know tempers where he's like you know he can't deal with no, annoying noises or something like that you know, and didn't want cops to hear. But it seemed like Starlight Theater was far out in the boonies, so you know you probably don't know how many people would actually hear it or not. But um, you know, I I do think that's just hysterical that he just decides to smash the thing. You know, forget everything else. I'm just going to smash your computer. I don't care. Yeah. It's like, oh, an interesting thing. We can use this for evidence. Let me take a picture and then destroy it. Ugh, idiot. Exactly. And, of course, that that is actually where the show wrapped up um, until, you know, it was another to-be-continued in the final installment of which is Battle of the Bands. And uh, we'll be talking week. about we'll be talking that one about next that. week. Yeah, that, that'll that be really, really fun. Um, and, of course, um, you know, on my remarks to this, I, I think it's, you know, really starting to define the characters. You know, we're definitely done with the exposition, thank goodness, because I can't stand exposition. And I think that, you know, the one thing, too, is that, you know, Kimber, from going from Kimber's Rebellion to the frame-up, we finally see that she actually chilled. You know, maybe they gave her some Prozac or something back then. I don't know what they did, oh. but they calmed her down. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, I, I just think that's you know hilarious that you know they they finally started to get that you know nailing down that the the, the cast members and things like that because obviously we do end up losing one of the characters later in uh, later in the series um, partly because uh, Christy did not like the character and oh, we ended up getting a new one in his replace. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, we will talk about that uh, character disappearing forever, kind of like how uh, Richie Cunningham's little, older brother runs upstairs to the basketball and never comes down again. We never see him again after the pilot yeah. episode of Happy Days. So, anyway, we wanted to thank um, our caller tonight and uh, for uh, adding her uh, thoughts to the show. It was really, really insightful. And, uh, of course, we want to say join us next week for the conclusion of the miniseries called Battle of the Bands, which uh, will pretty much tie up all the loose ends in the first four episodes. Uh, we, we ran over time tonight, but that's okay. It's always fun doing this, you know. No time is, you know, more time spent on Gem is more people getting in, involved with it. So, again, thank you guys, and uh, have a great night, and we will see you next week. Take care, and bye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. <laughs>